Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society. To discuss everything from their latest endeavors to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. In a brand new two-part programme, Explorer Ed Stafford spends two months living with gypsy and traveller communities across the country, inviting viewers into the world of one of Britain's most private groups. With proposed new legislation giving police increased powers to move encampments on, Ed joins families of gypsies and travellers facing fines of up to £2,500, possible confiscation of property, and up to three months in prison if they break the law. Not a man adverse to adventure over his career, Ed has been held at gunpoint by drug traffickers while tracking down the Amazon. He's been marooned naked on a tropical island and spent 60 days living with homeless people on the streets of British cities for his widely acclaimed documentary series. Uh, Ed joins me now. Welcome. Ed, I mentioned uh, your series 60 Days on the Streets. Uh, What inspired you to do likewise with the gypsy and traveller community? Um, Hi, Mariela. I I think Really, it's just um, such an important time, really, to be uh, to, talking about these issues. The um, the bill that you already mentioned um, that's being passed at the moment, although the the bit that affects tra- gypsies and travellers is is only part of obviously a very wide, all encompassing bill, but it has a has a real knock on effect. And I think it's only by going and living with communities you can actually begin to get into the skin of of what effect that will be now at the moment you know in order to be moved if you pull up at the side of the road with your your caravan which is essentially your home obviously if you're a gypsy or traveler um at the moment uh you have to have a court order in order to um force you to move on and it takes about four or five days for that court order to come through so you've got a little window of opportunity to to stay at the side of the road for four or five days but the police Policing bill essentially give the police the powers now to move people on immediately. So if you pull up at the side of the road for potentially five, ten minutes, the police have, um, will have, as soon as the bill gets passed and it becomes law, they will have the power to move on um, families, but also confiscate their vehicle, their property, which, which is their vehicle, which is their home, um, send them to prison um, and um, fine them two and a half grand, which is 
in my eyes, um, a, a sort of dangerous um, way to go, really, because this is an ethnic group. This is a group who have traditionally lived in a nomadic way for um, for 500 years in this country. And, 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 and um, that is... Been, and that is very much the, the, the reason they give uh, for being opposed to these new powers and also for their right to camp in camp, uh, you yeah. know, on, on, on areas all over the country. But when you bedded in with them, as it were, how much yeah. did you learn about that 500 years of history? How deep did you find that the traditions and the ways of life that they hold on to were still apparent and present in the lives they lead now i think um incredibly um deep really i i think right now i, I was focusing on 70 percent of gypsies live in houses nowadays and i wasn't focusing on them uh, you know it was the cutting edge of uh, of um gypsy and traveler life i.e those that were nomadic so i was deliberately um after groups who possibly were being nomadic just during the summer which would go back to static camps in the winter but some of them were, were nomadic all year round um and I think it's it's not just different practices, different what goes just just living in a caravan or washing outdoors or cooking outdoors or there there were all sorts of um <clears throat> all sorts of attitudes towards cleanliness um strong family bonds, some things which quite frankly society would would do well to um to pay attention to and to listen to because you know in a world of mental health and people being disconnected from each other and isolationist I, I sort of people feeling. Um, a pandemic of loneliness um, the community doesn't have that you know there's there's far more people outside there's far more people spending time with them um, with their extended and close families um, on a regular basis and um, and I, I personally think there's something pretty romantic about um, about pulling your home around and waking up in a new place um, um, every morning I think I think um, also, I mean, you know, society wants to do that. You know, the explosion of the sort of van life culture. You know, there's a lot of people that that see that romanticism, and yet, weirdly, for this for some reason, this this group is is continually being uh, marginalised. And <clears throat> um, when you say weirdly, and for some reason, I suppose you know they set up their camps um, near people who are living completely different lives, and you know there are, uh, as you said, it's a culture steeped in in, in traditions. Um, so I presume you had a lot of, lot to learn from them, but but one of the first you learned about was Machadi. Tell me tell me about that because, in a way, it's also indicative of one of the things that 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 bothers people who aren't part of those communities when they do arrive on their doorstep. Yeah, yeah. or I mean, Mokadi was the sort of pronunciation. Mokadi, excuse me. Yeah, I was I was I was um, introduced to, but I mean, yeah, I mean, quite the the. The levels of hygiene were extraordinary. Like there wasn't a single gypsy caravan that I went into that wasn't absolutely spotless. Um, and, you know, to the extent where a rag that you use for washing the dishes would never get put in the wash with um, any item of clothing because because that seemed to be uh, dirty. And, you know, I, also one of the striking things that I tried to do um, on one of the first sites that I um, joined down in Newquay um, uh, was, was dispose my rubbish. And because I was... Um, using a commercial vehicle, a pickup truck. Um, when I arrived at the um, the rubbish dump, they said, "Look, you can't you can't come in here unless you've got an address." And I said, "Well, I, I haven't got an address." Um, and they said, "Well, in that case, you can't you can't you can't bring your rubbish here." Um, and so, it's interesting, isn't it? As soon as you you, you sort of um, scratch beneath the surface, the, there are reasons behind things like um, amounts of litter building up because 
society isn't at the moment set up to deal with um, people who are living in a nomadic way. You know, they used to have common land. There used to be, you know, a very valid reason for people traveling around all the time because there was seasonal work and whether it's free fruit picking or particular different jobs that that did a sort of rotation around different um, uh, different settlements in order to provide those services to people. And um, that doesn't happen anymore. And there isn't the same ability to cater for these communities. And so, so they're forced to increasingly operate outside the law. And that's where it starts to become contentious. Yeah. And I mean, also things like, you know, the the, the, the woman you spoke to who said, um, you, you were mentioning Mokadi, um, uh, mm about never using the the toilets in yeah. in the caravans you you never yeah. ever use those you, you you go to the toilet outside um yeah. obviously that leaves issues for the people for whom you leave that behind yeah except you know it, uh, the only cases of people sort of what i would crudely describe as surface laying and just leaving their poos there were, were kids who were, who just got caught short but it is quite a difficult thing. You know, you've got a, a, a family with a large amount of children to, to you know, pile everyone in the car, go down to McDonald's, which is often the only sort of um, public loo in the nearby area that people are given access to um, um, on, a, on a sort of regular basis. And, you know, it's very difficult. Whereas most people are obviously um, conscientious and it's a very small minority that... that that end up leaving a complete mess and then let let the side down for the community. I think you mentioned you mentioned you know they're, they're, they're quite large families, lots of kids, um, and you seem to get on extremely well with them. I think you learned how to use one of those slingshots to knock out pigeons and squirrels and things for for sort of roadkill supper, if you will. Um, but yeah. I wondered what you felt about the kids that that you talked to who had sort of left school at at age 11 and and weren't planning to go back and you know whether you felt that their opportunities were you know equal to those of 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 kids who are attending school and you know educated and able to go out and get jobs I mean I think it's very difficult to compare really I mean I did I did have a little word with myself in the caravan after realizing that and say look would I would I pull my little boy who's four years old at the moment out of school at 11? You know, of course I wouldn't um, because the life that he's going to lead requires him to have um, education, to have certificates, to, to, um, well, to have to choices, to choose the life. And to, and to have to choices. Lead. However, yeah. however, you know, John Francis was the guy that was an Irish traveler that we focused on who was 11 years old, um, but had a spark in his eye, was a switched on kid. Um, and, you know, he just bought a motorbike for 1,900 quid. At the I age know, of, I couldn't uh, believe 11. that. <laughs> Extraordinary, really. But then you just wondered, like, OK, this isn't setting um, him up for a life um, working in a bank or working um, in an estate agency. So this is setting himself up for life as a gypsy. And there's very different requirements. There's a certain sort of streetwise um a requirement that you need to have the certain skills in terms of uh, in terms of the type of jobs that he's likely to be doing and there is no doubt that he will have less opportunities if he was to ditch the traveling lifestyle and and try and live as a non-traveler but that's not what their family unit is set up to um, to try and perpetuate because they fiercely believe in their culture they fiercely believe in their the rights to be nomadic and to to be on the road and to and and, and to continue their traditions so so it's very hard to judge from our kind of very, um, very constrained sort of views of, of how you should bring a child up, I think. What surprised you most about this deep dive, this 60 day experience in terms of, of what you were expecting versus what you encountered? 
I think the vulnerability of the communities was the thing that, that struck me the most. I and mean, when people think about gypsies, they, they do, they see a sort of aggressive exterior. Um, but what I very quickly realised was that if you pull about in a caravan and most of the society, a lot of society, let me say, um, doesn't like you, um, then you're vulnerable. And the, the community definitely told me loads of stories about attacks, about, you know, farmers spraying uh, manure all over caravans, about people throwing petrol bombs through caravan windows where there's a sleeping baby inside. You know, there's hatred against uh, gypsy communities. Tyson Fury's um, cousin, I think it was, um, uh, who... Uh, was basically forced off a site that he'd bought because the local community just came in and, and destroyed all of his caravans um, and, and absolutely trashed them. It was disgusting. Um, and so the reason that one communities um, pull about in such large numbers is so they can support each other. But I do also think that the, that the slightly aggressive sort of exterior is because they don't want to show um, a sort of, uh, they don't want to be pushed around. You know, they want to be, um, they want to be revered because it's in their interest because they're living in quite a quite a precarious position and they are vulnerable because they're on the roads and they're in caravans with very thin walls. Um, and so for me, it, I started to, as soon as I started to realise that, then it, it's not so much a sort of, um, it becomes less confrontational and suddenly I started to empathise hugely with um, a community that were, were trying to work alongside um, the settled community and also weirdly had very little bitterness towards non-travellers i thought there'd be this really ingrained hatred of non-travellers and that was not the case at all that it seemed to be a community that really wanted to find its niche and, and enable it uh, and, and, and find a way of of working alongside um people who are settled and it wasn't it wasn't um there wasn't a negative attitude towards us at all I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And my guest is the adventurer Ed Stafford, who's just spent 60 days living with uh, gypsy and traveller communities. Ed, it, it wasn't all rose-tinted, though, was it? I mean, you did have issues. You had your caravan broken into. You had excrement rub, rubbed over the, the windscreen of your car, you know, your car tampered with. Um, you know, how difficult did you find it to, to, to on the one hand, uh, be empathetic to this community, but at the same time understand why they might not be 
particularly kind to you all the time? Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of those those uh, things that happened, I don't know whether that was um, gypsies or not. You know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't say that in the show, and I, I genuinely don't know to this day whether that's an example of how gypsies are treated or how gypsies treat each other. Um, it's um, I, I, what I would say is that you know that I didn't find it difficult living on the road and it, I didn't find it difficult to empathize either although I did go in with a fair few prejudices you know I didn't I didn't know much about the traveling community before I started and and you know even there was a proposed site just outside my village only a couple of months before I started filming and I remember being on the whatsapp group that was up in arms about the negative effects of a, of, of a gypsy encampment um coming uh, close to our village you know I've got I've got glamping pods in my garden you know would it negatively affect business all of these very, very cliched and yet quite common um, um, misconceptions about what happens um, um, uh, when, when gypsies come close. And I think for me, it wasn't, it, it didn't take any time. You know, you walk into a gypsy site and nine times out of 10, you really are welcomed in, in, in an incredible way. And so it, it was, you've only got to sit and look in the whites of people's eyes and, and hear the um, incredible stories um, for, for a few times to, to genuinely just be completely won over and recognise that, that um, a lot of my preconceptions or misconceptions were were unfounded, and you know, I'm sure that, that of course there are there is a minority uh, within the community that that let the side down. You know, that's always the case. But unfortunately, there is an element of responsibility with the media in terms of not just reporting the uh, the negative stories about um, media. I think the the world the world of clickbait is quite responsible for. Um, for, quite a for lot. sensationalizing, <laughs> so sensationalizing, um, you know, negative stories about gypsies, and therefore, if that's all people read in the papers, then then they're going to form a negative opinion. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> politicians have been have been weighing in quite heavily on Jimmy Carr's joke about Roma people calling for for people to boycott him, and and there's a new report from the media that moves that argues that gypsy Roma and traveller people in the UK are subjected to grossly inaccurate media portrayals. I think journalist Jake Bowers, who you speak with on the program, also made that yeah. point. Uh, having spent the sixty days with them, uh, do you think? that that is the case. And I, I wonder how much that was you, uh, a consideration when you decided to make the programme. Was that what you what you set out to do? I do definitely think that's the case. I mean, a, a perfect example, I think, was when I was up at Appleby Horse Fair, which is nearly the largest gypsy event in the in the UK, um, up in Cumbria. And um, I was... I was about five meters away from two two very small fights that broke out. One was between two travel uh, two gypsies, um, and it was a very contained thing. It was an example of uh, two families settling their disputes. Um, and once it had finished, a couple of minutes later, they both went down to the river and washed their faces because they were quite bloody. And that was that dispute settled. And it might not be a um, a, a sort of way that people just settle their disputes in, in settled society, but but it, it kind of works and I saw how it kind of worked. Um, the other one was a slightly more sort of drunken affair between um, about four Irish travellers, but it was, um, but it was two isolated events. Now I then read the Daily Express headlines the next day and it, and it said hundreds brawling in um, carnage at Appleby. And if I'd read that, you know, I definitely wouldn't have taken my family up to Appleby, but it was completely inflammatory um, language and, 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 and therefore, you know, it's, it's part of this um, negative p- uh, public perception of, uh, of gypsies and it, and it fuels it. And it did make me angry, actually, in a way. It made me laugh initially because it was such inaccurate reporting that it was, um, 
there wasn't news at all it was um it, it was just completely inaccurate indeed but there is an argument too to say that they should be perhaps subject to the same rules that the rest of us are and we're not allowed to go out in the middle of the street and, and sort our arguments out through brawls no matter how efficient or not you you see it as a system um, and another study from the university of birmingham released earlier this month found that the grt group are the least liked people in the uk with nearly half of people feeling negative towards them where do you think that comes from well, I mean, speaking on a medium like this, I've got to be slightly careful about um, knocking the media. <laughs> but I do think everybody. It's also very convenient. Yeah, but it's also very convenient. No, I mean, you know, to it, say it's uh, it's just the media. You know, when you, you you can go out into the street and you can talk to you know people who've had experience of having you know traveller communities come into their area and yeah. you know crimes get committed and you know so all of those things. So I'm not I'm not painting anywhere. I'm not you know I have no I have mm-hmm. no kind of whatever the expression is in this uh, grist in this. I'm just saying that it, 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 we can't just pretend that it's just a completely benign, rosy portrait of a group of people who just like to travel around and. And, and should be left to their own devices entirely. I think. I think the problem is that again, the stories that people tell each other. If we're, if we're ignoring the media for a second, you know, the stories that people tell each other are often the negative ones as well. You know, the, the people who there, there are, and in recent times, because I've been engaged in this project, people have come forward and told, told to me all sorts of lovely stories about how they've got great friends in the Gypsy Traveller communities, or they are, you know, second generation removed from. From being a gypsy or traveling themselves and you know there are really lovely stories the the community has a, an incredibly um close family spirit you know everyone lives alongside their their immediate and their not so immediate families and and, and i have a lot of a lot of sort of um very very fond memories and and, and i feel quite a, a, quite quite passionately that that the they, they get an unfair amount of, of, of bad reputation, um, unfortunately. And I think a lot of people, I mean, up to governmental level, you know, we were talking about the bill that's being passed, you know, that's not aimed at everybody. That's The, the, the nomadic laws are aimed at gypsies and travellers because if a, if a camper van with a surfboard turns up on Newquay Beach, you know, the police aren't going to be putting them in jail for three months and fining them £2,500 and confiscating their camper van, are they? It's aimed at the community. And I think... You know, if if, Indeed, if legislation what, what do you think, is being pushed through like that, that, that that's that just shows that it's well. I think it, I think. But what do you think the answer is? Because uh, you know, there's a lot of communities that aren't going to feel happy about paying for. Um, uh, impermanent communities that come rely on the, their resources you know the money that they pay to the council and so on and so forth in order to facilitate these communities who then move on elsewhere you know I mean there are inherent problems how do you resolve them I think gypsies and travelers are often a lot more independent than people people figure that they are they're not bludging off society but you've described things like, like, them... like toilet facilities and rubbish being cleared you know I mean those are actual issues yeah, they are, but I mean, I suppose it is is broader than this. It's the right to live how you want to live, and we're talking about a community that's not just coming in deciding that they suddenly want to to be nomadic. They've been in this country for five hundred years, and if we, I, I'd hate to think we're in a society that's so closed minded 
that so requires you to live in a house that you can't accept people to live in any other manner. I, you know, I agree. I, I, I agree. But I'm just saying, so what is the solution? Because obviously this is, I mean, this is something that has been discussed throughout my life. Um, uh, you're talking about these new ru- rules and saying that they apply directly to, to gypsies, Roma and traveling communities and, and that they, they penalize them. I'm saying, what's the solution? Having spent the, these 60 days living with them, what do you see sure. as a solution? Um, I think one of the solutions would be to bring back a um, common land. Uh, up until the 1970s, there was a huge amount of common land where it was legal to obviously come in and settle uh, for a number of days. Now, there were facilities uh, and it was the whole thing was set up in order to in order to accommodate people who wanted to um, live nomadically. Now, that's that's gone. Um, if if that is impossible, um, then I think the, the we need to look at planning and uh, there's a lot of gypsy and traveler communities who will buy for example plots of land in order to set up a traveler site on that um, plot of land and i think the stats are i'm, I'm paraphrasing but the, the stats in terms of planning permission if you're not a traveler is about 20 uh, so, sorry it's about 90 percent success rate but if you are a traveler it's it's about 30 percent success rate because because unfortunately there's a there's a huge intolerance of of communities and nobody who's living or a lot of people who are living next to these sites are object to it and therefore they don't get past. So it is a huge problem, but I think it, it, it's no one thing. It needs to be addressed all right the way across society from the government level in terms of the legislation that they're putting out to the media, to public perception, to people just li- literally standing up for, for the traveling community in the pub when people use the P word, for example, which is a, a equivalent to the N word. Um, and actually just I, I now would stand up and I, I, I would just say you can't you cannot say that. And, and I think in the same way that um, in the same way that a lot of other ethnic minorities, it is no longer acceptable to speak about them in a certain way. I think we need to um, um, bring gypsies and travellers into that, um, that that same level of respect, really, and, and, and start to dig into the problems rather than just pointing the finger at the bad behaviour of a minority within that group, um, what- you know, that that we, we, we need to be more compassionate and, and we need to tackle the problem together rather than rather than ostracizing them and marginalizing them personally. Were, were you shocked by what Jimmy Carr said? I haven't I haven't seen the clip actually and so I can't comment on what he said um specifically but what I would say uh, was because I've heard about it obviously and 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 I heard that the audience all laughed uh, and clapped. And, and I think that's an incredibly sad reflection on society where, you know, 1.5 million gypsies um, were um, gassed in the Holocaust and, um, and murdered. And um, somehow that's, that's funny. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a sadder reflection on society um, than anything else. And, and I think that's why this programme is coming at quite a, um, quite a pertinent time, really, because, because um, why is there a, a section of society which is, which is, so low that uh, that people are prepared to laugh at um, at a Holocaust joke about them. And Ed, before you go, you, you first sort of sprang to fame, if you will, in, in 2010 when you became the first person to walk the length of the Amazon. You clearly have a, a zest for exploration, and I think you've called your your son or Ranoff. Have you got a son called Ranoff? I have, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I've never called him uh, Ranoff, but I call him Ran. But yeah, <laughs> Ran. So clearly, Ranoff finds a, an an inspiration to you when you yeah. um, it, um. Well, two things I want to know before you go, so I'll have to be quick. Um, when you set off on 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 your adventures, whatever they are, whether it's sixty days spent living with the traveling communities or walking the length of the Amazon, what are you looking yeah. for? Um. 
I think it's changed over the years, if I'm honest. I think um, back in the day when my sort of um, late 20s, early 30s, it was it was an insecurity thing. It was a slightly an ego thing. You know, when I found out that no one had walked the length of the Amazon, I kind of, in a, in a young testosterone-filled man way, wanted to beat my chest and, and, and be the first person to walk the Amazon. But I think as I've, as I've got older and uglier and, and, and potentially a little bit wiser, it, it's now... <clears throat> that sort of world for me is um it's a kind of a crucible in which you can you can learn about yourself you know I'm always thrown into situations where I don't have all the answers and therefore I'm forced to think out of the box in order to to come to a solution to get over that particular problem and I think that helps to evolve me as a human being it's you know like everyone I've, I've had my own issues in life and I think for me adventure has been an, an extraordinary sort of crucible in which you can you can um you can become a better person really so I think you know, as much as it might deem, it might seem to be sort of this adrenaline junkie lifestyle, it, it, it isn't that at all for me. I, I, I see it as something which, one, provides for my family first and foremost, because they're the most important things to me, but two, a really healthy thing that just keeps, keeps me on my toes and keeps me evolving, I think. Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my programme every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4 on Times Radio. Catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.